Hey, veterans. Welcome to the VA Claims Insider Podcast. We are veterans helping veterans get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve. I'm your host, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran Brian Reese, and each week we share VA disability claim tips, tricks, strategies, and lessons learned to help you win, service connect, and get rated at the appropriate level, even if you've already filed or been denied. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Uh, as we begin, I want Jen, you know, I'll let you, our guests, uh, introduce yourself a little bit, a little bit about kind of your background for those that may have not seen our previous work uh, and your specialties right. and so forth. And then we'll introduce Amy and kind of begin from there. Thanks, DP. Um, I'm honored to be here for this conversation. I know, as DP said, um, MST is a is a tough topic. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to um, help address the stigma. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I was living in Colorado. I'm back in Minnesota now. And um, I've been in the field for about 20 years, have worked with the military, including at Fort Carson for a short stint. Um, I also, uh, my grandpa was in World War II in the Navy. Uh, my dad was packing parachutes during Vietnam in the Air Force Reserve. And I, my most recent significant other, we were together 10 years um, has been in the Air Force for 24 years as a chief um, master sergeant. He's a C-130 loadmaster. So um, it's it's neat to be able to show up and, and serve veterans. Um, it is definitely something I've done around in my life. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I usually share. <laughs> I, I My clinical expertise, I focus on complex trauma, um, complex PTSD. And, and what that means is, is um, People who, who've had a lot of trauma over a long period of time, um, often starting in their youth, but not necessarily. And so this is something I really specialize in. And um, I don't want to say get excited about because no one's excited that anyone was harmed, but I'm really honored to be able to hold space for people in their healing. Thank, thank you for that. Um, and I'll let uh, Amy introduce herself. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. All right. what's, that, what's this VC thing I see under your face here? <laughs> So my name is Amy Lacey. Um, I'm former Air Force. I was in for 11 years. I was in dental. And um, I came on board VACI back in August. Um, a friend of mine who's a former um, VMC and now a coach um, brought me on. And then I was fortunate enough to be on DP's team. And through this process, I initially inquired uh, to get my increase. And um, I just recently went from 70% to 100% PNT for PTSD MST. Um, the road definitely wasn't easy, but it's worth it. Um, hang in there. Um, I love what I do. I love helping the vets. I love learning. I love doing these lives. Um, it's always fun doing them with DP and Jen. I learned so much. Um, and I'm just happy to be here and hope, hope that I can reach reach some people. I do want to give a shout out to one of my clients who, um, Carrie, she's at work and she's hiding in the closet. And we had a conversation today um, and um, she's ready to give up. So I'm so glad that she joined and that she's watching. And I hope that she will find the courage through um, today and tomorrow to not give up and keep fighting her fight. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here and, and hope that we can reach some people and be encouraging for those that are fighting their their fight. Awesome. Um, so with that said, uh, full disclaimer, we are veterans, helping veterans as far as me and Amy are concerned. Uh, Jen has graced us with basically having a conversation to bring awareness mm -hmm. to the topic, uh, but we would be you know, remiss to not point out that this is information. This doesn't constitute medical uh -huh. advice. This does not um, replace the fact of getting therapy, speaking to someone. But we hope that you walk away today, at least with something to begin the conversation, right? For many of us, um, I can share that when I first understood the field of psychology and psychiatry, 
I couldn't tell the difference between one or the other. I just knew I had to speak to someone <laughs> as a veteran dealing with PTSD. Um, and at least knowing where, where to start the conversation, I think uh, it's key here, right? So for those that may be listening, again, you know, we hope that this really just, you know, empowers you wherever you are at, whether you're listening to us or watching us live today, or you catch us on a repeat later on down the road, uh, this is about saving lives. We've done a great job of speaking and trying to break down the stigma of PTSD. However, there is a staggering number of military sexual trauma, uh, you know, events, statistics, and so forth that are not being tracked and we don't know. Uh, we're gonna have another of our coach, uh, VC Kenneth as well, who is a male uh, MST survivor. Uh, himself, he's also on our team. Uh, sadly, though, he had an emergency that literally happened uh, right before we went live, so he had to kind of step out mm -hmm. for a second, attend to some family matters. Um, but know that basically the the things we want to discuss today, uh, you know, we want to respect both the the female veteran and the male veteran because both populations uh, are heavily impacted. I also want to share that we will be putting resources in the comments section. Uh, one of the things that you all will see here, it will be some of the infographs that we're sharing. And this will have information uh, for you to be able uh, to download, share with others and empower yourself to some statistic information, where to get help and so forth. So this information will be linked uh, as well for all of you to review and see. Um, so with that being said and done again, and it's also going to be a blog post, so that'll be in the description after we're done that will follow this. Thank you, Jen, uh, for putting that together and yeah. sharing some information, uh, for our veterans there. So with that said and done and, and to begin the conversation, um, Jen on your side, military, you know, sexual trauma, military sexual trauma, again, we're not going to exploit details of an event. However, we want to be able to talk about the journey from being in a place, right? Just, you know, so we're not triggering anyone or having to really go to that place. Uh, but can you give us a little breakdown just for those that may think, well, that doesn't apply to me because in my mind, this is the only thing that applies to that, right? At times, there's a misconception of what that even entails, um, right? When it comes to assault, harassment, things of that such. From the clinical perspective, MST, what is that, you know, in layman's term? Thanks, DP. So what we really look for is unwanted um, treatment of you that um, is sexual in nature. And uh, actually, one of the things that you you pointed out, I'm glad that you, you mentioned, Kenneth, um, a lot of times, I just want to say, male veterans um, see some of this behavior as part of hazing or um, just kind of part of the process or bullying that happens when you're in the military. And so, um, so that would include anything, um, that looks like hazing, but is sexual in nature. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not in the military and I probably don't need to even list what some of that is, but y'all probably have an idea of what I'm getting at there. Um, things that involve genitals, things that involve your bottom, things that involve your chest, if you're a, a woman in particular, um, those kind of things. Um, I think something that's really important to point out is that um, military sexual trauma can happen on or off duty. It can happen um, on or off base. It can be um, something that is done to you by um, another military member, or it could be a civilian working for the military. Um, so I think it's important to remember that. And another really important piece is um, you may have appreciated the attention at first, like let's say you're at a gathering um, and maybe, you know, someone in your unit is paying attention to you and you like the flirting or whatever's happening. But when that crosses the line into behavior that you don't want, exploitive behavior, things like that, that's when it can be, it can be classified as military sexual trauma, especially if you're saying no or to want to say no but feel like you can't because of the power dynamic. Um, that's when it becomes military sexual trauma. One last thing I'd like to say is that military sexual trauma can also include sexual harassment. So that include, can include lewd jokes. Um, it can include, um, you know, swatting people's bottom. Um, you know, one of the things I heard a lot um, from the service members when I was working at Fort Carson is if someone fell back on a run, um, they would ask them if their um, female parts were hurting. <laughs> to males, um, um, that would that would definitely be sexual harassment, um, both to any females in who are there, but also to the males that they're saying it to. 
Um, so, so there's really quite a wide range of things that could be considered here. And the ultimate thing is, is was it wanted? Was it unwanted? Um, lastly, I want to make sure that people know, um, if you are, have had alcohol or you're not able to consent because the person is a superior to you, um, that would be another example of unwanted because you're not able to stand up to that person because they're in a position of power or you might be intoxicated. That touches on a lot of points. So there's a very interesting thing that I just kind of wanted to at least flesh out, uh, which is authority, right? The, the, the dynamics of authority, the uh, dynamics of being in an environment, right, where you hold the line, right? Um, you know, you have my back, I have your back. There's a certain, um, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, right? Um, and sadly, when events like this happen, right, that infringes on the fabric uh, of what we do. And, and, you know, outside of this space, there are instances of crimes, atrocities, things that we've seen that who happen uh, in military environments, right? Um, the reality is that the military is nothing but a subculture of the world at large. They're right. There are bad people. There are bad actors. There are all the things we see in the, in world, in the world. But what makes it very interesting and different from the perspective of the military side is, um, you know, and Kenneth would have shared some of this, is when a superior, right, is, is the aggressor, is the attacker, right? Um, how do you operate in that space? And, and there's some key points that, you know, we may not get to today, but tomorrow will be part of markers, right? And that's a topic that I want to kind of just put out there right now, right? L looking at the word markers. Um, sadly, because of the topic, there are many instances where we don't have uh, reports of events, right? Things go unreported, unsaid, so the stats, the statistics and all that isn't accurate. However, markers tell a story of what's happening, right? It's like almost, and again, you know, Jen, you can, you know, kind of elaborate a little bit on this, but to, to kind of explain for everyone, because I think it's good to be able to start, you know, not normalizing what's happened or may have happened, understanding how to understand what's happened, uh, is like a child that may have been exposed to certain things. They may not be able to articulate the events or traumas that have happened, but there are markers happening where something is happening with Jane or Billy, right? All of a sudden now, her tummy hurts all the time when so-and-so comes around. All of a sudden now, you don't feel well when this happened or you, oops, fell again, and every time this happens, there's a pattern of things that are happening. And we see that in kids and we can identify that. In the adult side of the house, in the military especially, uh, markers, you know, take the form of Amy was, let's say, on the path of promotion and she was a high riser and all her reports are great and she was a performing superstar airman. And then something happened in December of 2011 and reviews became negative. She started to show up late. All the things that made up who airman, you know, Lacey was now begin to kind of erode. Right. And now sick call trips come doctor visits for things randomly, finding ways to get out of the unit. Like all these things are happening subconscious because regardless of age, would it be safe to say, Jen, that there is a fight or flight defense mechanism that looks up to get away from this. Right. So from a child, yeah. I don't have the words, but I'm basically trying to avoid something. Right. And mm -hmm. in adults, that also does take place. Um, so I'd like Amy, when she, you know, as we flip over to her uh, to kind of talk a little about that. And we'll come back to you, Jen. But I think that the marker piece is very crucial uh, because many folks will say, I never reported, you know, Jen, Amy, I never talked about this. I have no records. I have nothing. They're not going to believe me. Um, but markers is key. Right. Because we have to be able to, I think, at first is identify that something happened, period beyond everything else, right? Forget the rating, forget everything else, justice, recompense, making right, no. All of that means nothing to the sanity of who is Amy Lacey and how do we in turn begin to get you the help? Everything else we can talk about later, right? Because sometimes it's like, they won't believe me for my claim. I'm like, we need to get you in therapy first. Are you able to right. understand what's happened to you? Un own your story, understand what it is. Don't dwell in that and drown in it, but that's the first step. Uh, so Amy, on your side, MST. Well, what is that? Gosh, you guys have hit on so many points um, that um, I can relate to and that I deal with um, regularly. You know, to Jen's point, um, right now, if I'm being totally honest, I, I have a, a, a majority of men that I'm dealing with with MST, um, which was a little surprising for me, right? Um, 
it's difficult. Um, and some of them, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a very difficult, sad situation. Um, one that I'm dealing with, that's just a really tough situation. It was a hazing that ended up turning into like a sexual assault by multiple men, you know, and basically so, so, they were threatened. Back. So I think there's a powerful thing there as a coach and as an MSC survivor, you have seen a majority of men who have been dealing with this. Mm -hmm. hmm. Before, right now, before, before we get to them, give me, give me Amy's 30 second elevator speech of what is MST to you? We, we saw what Jen said. I want to like break it down to me. I think I may have it. You know, you're like me, right? The doctor's a doctor. I don't want to talk to her right now. Sexual trauma to me is basically what Jen said, you know, an unwanted, uninvited, um, you know, violation of your privacy, of your personal body, of what you want or you don't want. And it very well could be. Um, I think there's a lot of guilt and shame and um, that comes along with it, you know, where you know, mine, like Jen was saying, mine wasn't military related. Mine was off duty. Um, mine was actually a friend. I would say a friend, but somebody that I knew, I, I had a really bad migraine and he offered to give me a ride home because, you know, everybody else was still hanging out. And so mine wasn't a military situation, um, but I, I reached out to I was kind of new to the unit and I reached out to a nurse that I really didn't know that came and got me um, where I was left and took me to the emergency room. And um, that was my documentation. Um, so I had that documentation when it came to, you know, being rated. A lot of people don't have that, but it doesn't mean that you still can't get rated. Um, I've had some people say like, you know, hey, I invited them to my room to watch a movie. And then one thing led to another. But I, I didn't want that. Was it my fault? Should I not have done that? No, it's, it's not your fault, right? Um, you didn't want it. He didn't stop. It's unwanted. That's military sexual trauma, right? Um, or just, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be military, but sexual trauma in general. Um, but, so, but, I think that, but that's a good point to kind of just kind of, you know, flesh out real quick. You know, from Jen's side, from your side, there's various ways this can come down, right? Some people think the very extreme of sexual trauma and don't look mm -hmm. at those subtle things, right? Because, you know, there's different stories and ways. And again, you know, I've worked with you know, countless veterans who are male survivors and female survivors and having coaches that are able to relate and have that conversation, I think mm -hmm. adds another level of support. Um, the best way that I can put what, for example, uh, Amy and Kenneth um, are able to provide and many others here at VA Claims Decided, we have a lot of survivors, uh, MSC survivors who are rated in, uh, in many of our teams. I, I would offer to you that there's there's a power in being able to reach down into that darkness that you may be in when someone says i got out of that i got out of there and you can too right i can't mm -hmm. prepare what happened yesterday but i'm telling you I, I i i crawled and got myself out of there and the reality is it wasn't with this i had to reach up and someone pulled me up and helped me a little bit um and as coaches that's really i think a message we have to push right amy's not going to be my therapist right but she can reach a hand to help mm -hmm. me get up and say, look, you go that way, right? I think there's a power in the fact of saying, Amy, you go that way. That's where the help is at. Mm -hmm. And and being able to say someone like Jen uh, can help and be of a resource to you, um, but to kind of really just highlight those points. One, men and women, we see that men much more because just the demographics of the majority of men in the military. Um, Amy, you said a story that I think was very interesting uh, because Kenneth is not here that I just wanted to highlight um, without getting into too much detail about uh, one of our past clients, right, that experienced uh, military sexual trauma as a man. And from that point <coughs> forward, one of the things that they began to do was to ensure that physically, right, they yeah. became, um, you know, right. untouchable, indestructible, fearsome, you know, I go from this 150-pound scrawny guy to a 250-pound, you know, machine muscle thing that basically, you know, will push you away. And I will, you know, and, and we can talk a little bit about it, but I think that the key there is that's a story of a man. A woman will have other defense mechanisms. For all the push-ups and the size you can put on, inside, you are the person that is hurting. You are still that person that is jaded. 
And no matter what all of this looks like outside, no matter how much you grow and what defenses you put in, and if you walk around with a baton, it doesn't matter. Inside, that work hasn't done. It's good that you may have put the work in the gym to say this will never happen again because I will fight it off. Here, what did you do? Here, what did you do? For you, Amy, a question I have, you know, kind of, you know, sharing that point that kind of, you know, what I probably touched on is how did you get to the point? And again, your journey was different where you have, you know, documentation. In Kenneth's case, there was nothing. And both veterans are rated today. Right. But to get to the point mm -hmm. beyond having things reported, to get the help, to be able to just just say help, even if you couldn't say it, but to go into therapy, how was that first process for you? Right, because Jen could say all day to you, she's blue in the face, come here, get some help, we have tools. <laughs> and for you, it's like, I hear you, Ghost Rider, but in one ear, out the next, the way my tinnitus is set up, I don't hear you, right? Um, <laughs> tell me about that, that initial step, Amy, for you as just a veteran. I think, you know, initially when I, when it happened, um, the nurse that took me, Colonel LaChapelle, who's amazing, she probably saved my life in a lot of ways. Um, she kind of forced me to. She didn't really give me, I worked in the med group. She was a nurse in the med group. Um, she talked to um, um, the mental health. Uh, one thing that was a huge deterrent for me is that um, she kind of, the appointments and told me, you know, hey, just go a couple times at least, talk to somebody. I also have a great friend that walked into me when I had a, a breakdown, um, John, who was also a lifesaver for me that really helped me and encouraged me along the way that he was a friend that kind of provided that therapy for me, not necessarily professional, but he could tell when things were getting to me. So I kind of reached out on, I kind of reached out and leaned on, on him, right? But one thing I will say is that there were a lot of pushback, you know, um, there was a breach of my HIPAA, um, an airman thought it was funny to tell other people in the med group what happened. And I shut down. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm not I'm not going to continue forward. And it really pushed me away significantly. And it wasn't until after I got out of the military. And I think a lot of people can relate to this, that when you're in the military and you're doing your job, you stay busy, right? You have kids, you have family, you have work. And then when you're out of the military and you're kind of, you know, I wasn't really twirling my thumbs because I had three kids by myself. Um, but um, my ex was uh, deployed for a year, but it really gave me this time to really think like, wow, I'm, I'm not okay. You know, I think I need to I think I need to come out and I think I need to talk about this. So once I moved to Colorado, I established a relationship with my provider. Um, and I've been seeing her since April of 2013. I, I see her every week. I have absolutely no shame in it. And when I have those tough moments, I talk to her. One thing that, um, is really important to me is it does affect my parenting in some ways. I have some significant triggers, um, that affect me parenting, you know, one being butterflies, one being northern lights and one being the color red. So when it comes to parenting, I need help. You know, I still need say, that. Say help. that one more time because there's, 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 that's a powerful thing you just shared. What did you say about colors? So red is a trigger for me. Mm. So, you know, um, um, it, it's, it, it's, you know, I, I don't mind sharing it. I share it with a lot of clients is, you know, that was the color of my boy shorts that I had on when the incident happened that I watched them take and put in a plastic bag. So, so, and, so I, I think, and again, Amy, you know, I mean, and for those watching us, you know, Amy works on my team. So, you know, part of my job is to make sure that, you know, we don't get too into detail about things for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I think there's a power there, right? To yeah. kind of segue to Jen here for a second. Because you shared something. There is someone out there that doesn't have anything to come to after service, right? They're single. There's no kids. And mm -hmm. building a relationship is something that, you know, arguably is tarnished, right? You're not trusting. Right. And that's something that will now be a, pro be a process to work through. Mm -hmm. So in your instance, having children leaving service and dealing with that, having a trigger like that, how many red shirts does your kids have, right? Like, th like think about just the everyday life of someone who now is living with something traumatic like this, right? Because we don't look at life out of the military or those things that may happen or, hey, mommy, I want this thing and you're trying to be a mom but not revert into a defense mechanism that, you know, we look at it from someone cuts me off and here comes, uh, you know, PTSD, right? And I'm just going to go into, you know, defense mode and, you know, combat operator. Uh, no, this is 
a parent who now is triggered by something a two-year-old comes up and says, mommy, mommy, buy me this, right? Like, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, that's... Girls that love butterflies, right? And my son, he his first job was at a movie theater, and his uniform was red Coca Cola, you know, and he wore it all the time. And you know, there have been times that when if I'm doing laundry and I'm not having a good day, and I come across red, it goes in the garbage. I walk it out to the garbage. And so I say that to say that you know, you know, going from a victor victim to survivor, which I absolutely love. Um, it you know sometimes we still revert back to that frustration and that anger and that am I ever going to get over this you know it's it's a process but, and, but, and but I you, dro you dropped the key point there though this is not a I I reported a thing or I got help for a thing and I'm fine right I think and, and Jen if you could chime into this piece right from that journey of taking that first step, right? What does that look like when I walk in and I'm like, you know what, Jen, I've never been here. I don't even know if this is for me. I'm probably wasting my time. Somebody had it worse, right? Cause that's a military thing. Someone has mm -hmm. it worse. Someone Absolutely. has had it worse. Mm -hmm. This could have been an extreme case. Someone died of an extreme case. And because I'm here, someone had it worse. We always revert to that world and that piece. Um, but to the effect of that continuous journey, that Amy just shared that is needed in this. And I think that's something that people don't understand. This is not a dental appointment, come twice a year, check up, you're good to go, off you go. This is something that you have to understand, um, you know, it's going to be continual, right? There are certain things in life that once you decide to make that journey, it's in your benefit to understand this is a part of you. If you are a man, for example, that is, you know, told by his doctor, you have got to take, you know, hormone therapy, right? Testosterone replacement. This is something you're going to have to do for the rest of your life. This is not just a, I took a pill one day and it fixed the thing, right? And from the internal side, right, we can, we can identify with that, right? If I'm put on, you know, diabetes and medication, then that's just what I do now, right? It's my medication for life. But when it comes to the internal, we don't look at those things, right? Like, do I seem to see you, you know, recurrently, Jen? How does this work? Can you talk about that initial step in and the hesitation, I guess, in your experience that you have seen that you can at least say to someone, I know that this is what I see coming in, and it actually as is this, right? Because my conception is you're going to sit there and tell me, tell me everything that happened in detail, and it's just like I don't want to go and do that, right? Like, I've never yeah. talked to a therapist, Jen. How does this work? Break it down for me. <laughs> well, so so I, I want to actually talk about a couple points. One of the things that Amy said um, is, you know, sometimes the coaches are a doorway, right? Like us therapy people, we can be kind of scary. Um, you know, because we use weird language sometimes, and I don't know, we look serious, which is only because we carry a lot of shit. But anyway, um, you know, and, and um, you know, so, so it can be scary to come see one of us, especially because there's so much stigma around what that means. And so I think whatever doorway you have, whether it's, you know, a coach like Amy or um, a, a nurse, maybe you do go to mental health on base or post, uh, maybe you do go to the VA, maybe it's, a military family life counselor, you know, an MFLAC, um, you know, or maybe it's military one source. I know that's a, another option. Um, but once you get to a therapist and you're going to do trauma treatment, that first appointment um, is always an assess, like, not, I don't want to say an assessment, but it's gathering history. But here's what I'll say. Um, we're interested in your history, but we don't need to know the gory details. Um, and, and, and here's why, um, if you've ever read, um, the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk, that he explains it quite well. Um, it, it is not useful to you necessarily. I mean, automatically useful. Some people might find it useful to repeat over and over again what happened to you. Oh, how, oh, you how, 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 how handy, Amy. Yes. Super handy. Thank you. Thank you for having my visual aid. Oh, long way. I think I have to go this way. Okay. <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah, um, trauma is in the body, right? And so telling the story of that isn't really what heals it. Right. Um, Bessel van der Kolk, actually, I went to a conference with him, a two day conference back in 2009. And he said, therapists need to get over their voyeuristic need to know what happened. Mm -hmm. um like seriously but Jen, um, so, but Jen, there's a there, there's a there's a key there's a key there again i've never talked to a therapist <laughs> but i think it's poignant there what you just said uh -huh. and sadly though there may be a therapist that you may not jive with you're not oh my gosh, you are so not true. i repeat 
again, I'm not, I am just a veteran who maybe has seen a therapist once or twice. Uh, you are not relegated to work with someone that you cannot build a, a, a healthy relationship to take this journey that requires continuous work. And to Jen's yep. point, what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, is some people may want to go down that rabbit hole of details. It is not necessary, right? And again, I don't want to in any shape, fashion, or form diminish the expertise in the room here, but it's like if I fell out of a vehicle and broke my leg, I have a broken leg. The details of how the heck I brought the car is not the problem here. Can we address the fact that my leg is broken, I'm bleeding, let's patch that. We can work right. on other areas of how to not fall again later. And again, this is a very, very, you know, basic example, but I think it's useful to understand that the focus is really to begin to give the, 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 the patient the tools to move forward. There are, there are therapies and modalities that we can touch on in a minute as to what's available that can uncover some of that, but it's a journey of when you are ready. Is that safe to say? I, that is 100% safe to say. Um, you, you touched on a few points that I really want to go to. One is that um, choice is essential. Uh, Judith Herman, she's the author of Trauma and Recovery. Um, she, she says something to the effect of, I'm going to botch the quote, but it's something to the effect of, any intervention that takes away the power of choice from the survivor has no hope of helping them heal. Yeah. So if you are in a situation with a provider and um, you're in a situation, oh, and I want to talk to what I think her name was Nichelle just said, but um, if you're in a situation um, where you're not jiving with your therapist, it is not a fit for you, then, then you need to have the power of choice in saying, wow, this is not how I'm going to heal. Because first and foremost, in order to heal from this, you need to feel safe. And you don't, what you don't need is another environment where you're supposed to be safe, right? Like with your battle buddies, you're supposed to be safe. And then something bad happens to you, right? And the same is true with if you're not jiving with your therapist. If you're in an environment where you're supposed to feel safe and for whatever reason you aren't a fit, you again, you need to have the power to be able to say, wow, this is just not a fit for me. And really as a therapist, I'll tell you, like I would hope if someone thought I wasn't a fit for them, they'd be like, yo, Jen, this isn't working. Like, I'm not going to take that personally. I just want the person to heal. Mm. Um, you know, and I guess if someone's trying to control you to stay with them, um, then run, <laughs> you know, you have, the, you have the power yeah to fire yeah. your provider. I, Please and I, do. And I think that's something, because there's a question, and there are some that I want to read, and out of respect for the nature of what we're speaking about, I will keep it anonymous uh, for certain things that were stated. Uh, one of the questions was, did I miss it if I never reported it? We'll touch that here in a second. Um, someone said, I finally started counseling for MST. It has helped me a lot. There's still, ha there's still some work to do. I was going to therapy for bipolar disorder, and we spoke about MST in therapy and group counseling as well. Uh, but one point of question here is, why does the VA Medical Center use cognitive therapy or whatnot, where they make you repeat it over and over? Uh, it is why I opted for community care. Uh, and I think that statement is powerful because in the statement is the answer, right? The, the VA is one solution. It is yeah. not the only solution. Uh, yes. I would offer to everyone here that it took a long time for me to look into a vet center or the VA for anything. I literally found a therapist that I felt comfortable with, a private practice, and made a point to do that. And, you know, the point is there are options. There's the vet centers that are free. There are The VA is a thing. You may have to request another provider. There are private practices. There's so many ways that are available. Um, the archaic ways of what the VA may be doing in that location are not universal. However, the point here is that that's one modality that said when the patient is ready to go there, right? So we've, we've kind of touched on understanding the why, the how, a little bit of, you know, the different varieties of there. Jen, as you're building onto that, can you talk about the different types of therapy, right? So we don't have to unpack it all. I can fire my therapist. No, no. Makes sense. I'm yeah. not going to fire you, by the way. Let's just put that out there. Um, but Thank you. If, I really enjoy our time together. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, we, we literally are, we collaborate and talk here. She's not my therapist. Uh, no, you know, no, no. Let's just put that out there right now. Uh, but, you know, but this is this is the relationship you want to have, right? It's a conversation with someone uh, to be able to, you know, laugh and cry and be honest and real about what's happening in your life. This is what it should somewhat feel like. And I hope that 
you know, beyond what we're saying, you see how we're relating because this is what therapy to me should be. And if it's not this, I walk out and leave and find somebody else because I need to be able to look forward to coming to this because you won't show up again if you don't feel comfortable. Um, but Jen, to the point of the modalities, what are some ways once someone has got to the place of saying, okay, I want to start working on some of the deep-rooted pains to move forward in life? Because the, the point was brought up of cognitive therapy. Right, right. And so I just want to, um, I, I want to tread lightly here. Um, I, as a trauma therapist who focuses on body-based interventions, because that's what the research in, you know, in the last 10 to 20 years, um, says is, is traumas in the body. And so that's what we need to use to heal. Um, some of those, those things like prolonged exposure therapy and, um, cognitive restructuring, which is what, um, that person was, um, was referring to, um, those used to be the gold standard. Like that's what we did. And, and it does work for some people. Um, the dropout ten, rate tends to be high. Um, because as you can imagine, it's pretty traumatic repeating your story. It, it does help some people though. Um, however, we also know since then, I'm going to take a breath cause that's nervous saying something different than what the VA does. <laughs> Again, they, they this, do, is, this, this is yeah. not saying uh -huh. that the practice Being is there, um, but to understand what cognitive therapy is and what exactly is the purpose, right? Why are we, why yeah. am I repeating this stuff? Do I, wanna, do I have to fall out of a well, car over and over to just get stronger to fall out the car? What, right. what, what's, what's happening here? Right. So cognitive, cognitive restructuring is, is getting you to say, and same with PE, they're very similar. You, well, they're, they have some differences though. And but PE, the for, for, for those that have never heard that is? Prolonged exposure. Sorry. Okay. Um, so there's basically this idea that if you go over things enough in a, the safety of a therapist office and with your new perspective, you can retrain the brain on how it approaches what happened to you. And, and there is evidence that that works and there are certain people that works for. It's a very treacherous thing to go through because as you can imagine, you're retelling your story, you're re-experiencing over and over what happened to you. My preference is to look at more of the body-based therapies. And that's what actually Bessel van der Kolk talks about in that book that Amy held up for me. Um, the body keeps the score is to use things like EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization, um, and reprocessing therapy, um, which there is a reprocessing, but it's not a verbal telling of the story. Sure. The details may or may not come up, but you never have to tell your therapist what's coming up for you. The only thing that your therapist needs to know is that while you're doing the, um, what we call bilateral stimulation. So you might be watching something move across your eyes, or you might be getting hand taps or something like that. What the therapist needs to know is that whatever you're working on, whatever memory you're working on is shifting. So there, it's a different way of working through it. Same with internal family systems, IFS. Um, we work with different parts of you that hold the trauma. Again, there the therapist doesn't need to know everything that happened to you. In fact, you don't even have to repeat it. It's about healing what happened. Um, trauma center, trauma-sensitive yoga is another, it's an adjunctive treatment for, for PTSD, especially complex PTSD. Um, there's no telling of the story. It's all movement. Um, which, by the way, I want to say, um, I believe it's the VA in Georgia is doing a longitudinal study on using um, trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga for military sexual trauma. So stay tuned for that. We're really excited at the Center for Trauma Embodiment that that's coming out. Literally, um, as soon as you said that, someone commented it. So I just popped it up real quick. Uh, I love it. Kimberly, I'm so glad. Yoga can be great. But also, again, with yoga, you know, um, there's a long history in yoga of, of, of gurus and teachers being in charge and telling you what to do. And, and that works for some people, but with trauma, um, someone doing a physical adjustment on you, like taking over your body and moving you or telling you exactly what your body needs to look like in yoga tends to not be super great for trauma survivors. Sure. There's some who might enjoy it, but generally speaking, um, and that's why trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga, there's no touch everything's a choice, um, things like that, right? There's two other body-based therapies that I don't know a lot about um, that are also very effective. Um, one is um, sensory motor processing, and the other one is somatic experiencing. So those are just some of the things that are more 
I would say more recent updated treatments. Brain spotting is another one that's very similar to EMDR. Um, I know just a little bit about that one because I'm EMDR trained, so I haven't gone and I'm like good enough, right? Um, but, I think, but I think it's good, but it's for sure good. And again, we'll we'll have uh, the blog that accompanies, accompanies this with information for those. Uh, so, you know, don't feel like if you didn't catch what we said, this will be replayed uh, where you're watching it. And there will also be a blog that accompanies this with some information. So I want to say one more thing, um, because this is something that you asked me before about Amy was talking about how she's still healing. And, and I want to say that there's layers to healing. There's layers, right? And I can say this about my own healing work, um, which is, is different. Um, but you know, I have my own sexual trauma history. Uh, it's short, <laughs> um, but it's there. And, and I will say there's layers of it right? Like we might work through a piece of something in therapy and we might be like, oh, I'm good. I feel like I can function again. And then, and then all of a sudden this other thing comes up in our life and it triggers it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, so that's another layer for me right now. And so then you might land yourself back in therapy again and be like, okay, I'm going to work through this other layer that goes on for, you know, that's coming up for me. And then you might be like, okay, cool. You know, um, I'm, I'm good for a while and then another layer and may, you may or may not need to go to therapy again. It just, I think what's really important is that you honor your own process, mm -hmm. that you may have that initial contact with therapy, or maybe your initial contact is with an MFLAC and you have a couple sessions and you're like, that's all I can handle right now. And then maybe in a year or so you're like, mm, I need to do something about this because this is starting to markedly improve my daily functioning is what we call it in therapy, but basically making your life miserable, right? So, and so, so you might, But I think yeah. that, that's, that's powerful, Jen. Again, because in my mind, I try to rationalize it um, for the individuals that may have never even known that these are things they even work on. Um, and it almost sounds like to me, like this is no different to a degree than working through something like physical therapy, if you lost the ability to do a thing, you're basically working to regain that strength or build muscles around it. Because, and one thing I, I think I really want to just make a point and I want to get Amy, your opinion and Jen, yours is for some, there's this concept that certain things may be regained uh, and you live in the past, right? Rear facing. Um, and for some individuals, if you experience trauma, you may not retain or regain certain things, but that doesn't limit the experience of what may be created going forward, right? So again, me as a basic person doesn't have a degree in any of the stuff. What I look at is, you know, you may have some individuals that may have lost a sense of touch or certain things and accidents may have happened, but they've built out strength around to regain the ability to walk. Those certain things may not have come back to how they used to be. There's strength around to be able to conduct and walk and do things. So to me, what it sounds like is, it's 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 a workout that you it's a, it's an internal work rather both emotionally and psychologically to be able to gain the strength to be able to move forward find ways of working at things as you challenge and grow you can add pieces to that uh, so it's no different than if you never been to the gym right like you're not gonna be able to do everything in there but just get on the treadmill right go walk a little bit like just show up let's have a conversation and then maybe we'll get on the weights in six months or maybe we'll do a little this that there and again. I'm not diminishing at all the nature of this conversation, but to make it relatable, to really understand that this is something that can go in sections, right? There's no play here where I went to physical therapy or to the gym and I walked out with my results in a week, right? This is a process that I have understood now that I will be on that will be beneficial to me moving forward. Uh, is, is that something that makes sense? Am I off base there? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, I, one thing I would say, too, is, you know, when you're dealing with some of these things, um, keep your circle small. You know, there's there's so many people that have opinions on what you should do and what you shouldn't do and how you should handle it and how you shouldn't handle it. And sometimes that can be very overwhelming. And you have, you know, a wife or a spouse that doesn't really understand a brother or sister that says, why do you keep going to counseling or, you know, your counselor is like your friend. It doesn't even help you. And I beg to differ. You know, I know what I need. And so what helps me helps me keep your circle small. And you don't always have to share that with everybody. You know, I mean, I'm a pretty open person, um, but I'm starting to learn more and more that, you know, keeping that smaller circle is what's good for me. And say, say that I, again, what, you said what works for you works for you. 
works for me. Yeah. And so wait a second, Amy. Look, again, crazy talk. Never talked to therapists here. I went through this thing and this worked for me, right? Shouldn't you do what I did? And again, it's rhetorical, but I think this own right part of the the question I posted was, uh, Amy, how did you go from being a victim to a survivor? That piece to me sounds a lot like part of the ingredients of your process. When you were, when you got to a point of being able to even be able to articulate that what works for me works for me. This is my journey. This is my truth. This is my path. And I begin to put the pieces together to walk it. Mm -hmm. Right. So in, for, for the question, Amy, on your side, how would you answer, you know, 30 second elevator speech again uh, real quickly? I'll give a 10 minute countdown here. Uh, if you want to be able to reach out to us again, we're back tomorrow again. Join VACI.com uh, below if you want to be able to reach out to Amy or Kenneth to work uh, or speak to one of us. Uh, our Facebook page, YouTube and LinkedIn is also linked below. The blog will have Jen's information and her website as well that was shared. Um, if you have any questions, please post them and we'll start moving into like a rapid fire uh, type of uh, discussion. But uh, Amy, how did you go to answer the question from victim to survivor? 30 seconds. Gosh, 30 seconds. Um, I think, you know, it's a personal choice and it was something that I had to do for myself and for my kids. And I think that I found myself struggling to tell my story because I kept feeling like I was, I was putting myself back in that victim role. And so through my therapist, the encouragement of, look, you're, you're here, you're a survivor. You, you've made it through and you're talking about it. You told your story, you're getting help, you're doing what you need to, and you're constantly putting in the effort. You're constantly, at least you're trying, whether that means having a conversation like, you know what, my um, daughter wants to have a butterfly birthday party. Um, and you know, okay, you, you can do this, you can do it because you know what, you're past that, you know, yep. you're, you're here now and you can do it. It doesn't have to be hundreds of butterflies. It can be a cake with a butterfly on it and you meet in the middle and you do what you have to do to survive. And that's my thing is, you know, I love, I love, love what DP said when we were talking about this is becoming a victim to a survivor. And I think once you make that, that transition, you're good. You're ready to rock and roll. You're ready to work on your claim. You're ready to move forward, whatever that looks like, whether that's looking, you know, talking to your coach, talking to your therapist, talking to somebody that you trust is just taking yourself. You're no longer in that position. You're not in that vehicle that you can't get out of anymore. You're not that victim anymore. You've survived it. And now you're on the road to recovery. Now you're the survivor. And it's a lot of you know, self-talk, self-motivation, looking at my kids and thinking, you know what? I got to be better. I got to do better. Mm. I got to I got to make sure that I don't transfer my anxiety, my fears, my issues um, to them. Would it be and safe to say that that transition from being a victim to a survivor is not a on off switch, but rather survivor means the journey? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. there are days yeah. when you're not going to be feeling like a survivor. There are days yeah. when you don't feel good. But Absolutely. when you understand yeah. that that's a process, that mm -hmm. switch of how did you go there, it is an, it's, it's, it is a journey. It is like it's living. Right. You live as a survivor. I, I, will, I am a survivor. I have overcome. Though you fall, we move forward. Getting, right. you know, being knocked down doesn't take you back in reverse. It's just what happened today, right? Yeah, sometimes you're at a standstill. Sometimes you're like, oh, I'm struggling. So one last thing I will add is my my counselor, um, she's amazing. I do talk to her every week. I mean, I know there's controversy, but you know what? That's what's best for me. And um, that that's what helps me be who I am and be a survivor. Um, she reminds me of, of things that I need to be reminded of. And she kind of regrounds me. And I will say, you know, because I do have a struggle with the butterfly, she does. And Jen, you can probably relate to this. Um, and I have done EMDR and I loved it. Um, I, I just want to put that out there. Um, she does, um, for one Christmas, she got me. A, and you have to be, you have to tread very lightly when people have triggers as far as how to introduce things. But she knew 
that my goal was to work on the butterflies because I have two girls that want everything butterflies. Um, and so she tried to transition to, you know, different analogies of, you know, it becomes a cook. It's from a cocoon. It becomes something, you know, beautiful. And then it's free and then it's free, right? You're free to it. And that it can be a beautiful thing. And to try to look at it like, you know, Hey, I was in this dark place, but I've slowly grown into something more beautiful and I'm free. I'm a survivor. I'm free. And so for Christmas, she gave me, um, a beautiful golden, um, butterfly that I hang at the top of my tree. Um, there's a few people that know the significance of it and they know that only I hang it. Um, and it's a reminder for me. It's a reminder that, you know what, I was there, but I am here and it's a constant path. And it's a reminder that I'm okay you know what, I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to continue on this journey. And that, that butterfly, that red, that, that, that doesn't define me. Those Northern lights, they don't define me. They don't define who I am. It defined a period of my life that wasn't good, but I've since overcome that. And it's still a work in progress. And for me and what somebody else's therapy is, I have one guy who he talks to his um, psychologist three times uh, or every three months. And that's enough for him. He says what he has to say. He gets his medication refill and that's all he needs. And he's good. It's a personal journey that's tailored to every individual. And that's part of that recipe that is constantly evolving and being agile. All all I'll close in saying is we can't fix what happened yesterday. Absolutely. But we can build to tomorrow. And yeah. if that is the one thing you can walk away with, that's the reality of what we're trying to do is equip and have resources to face today and get tomorrow up and face it again. So we hope to see you again for our next one. I'm just the guy clicking the mouse here trying to make a camera work. <laughs> you don't more than that, whatever. I do, I do want to say one more thing, DP, since you brought it up. I do think that it's important what DP said. You can't fix it. And so, you know, it's not something that's going to be fixed. It's not something that's going to go away. And it's not something you're going to get an apology for. It's not something that you're going to find that closure because whoever did whatever they did this thing is going to come and be like, I'm so sorry that I ruined your life. That's not going to happen. So come knowing that, you know, with the strength within you is going to make you from a victim to a survivor. It's not going to take away what happened, but you're going to get the tools and the experience and you're going to be a survivor of your own story. And so um, keep that in mind and keep fighting the good fight. With that said, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you guys for joining us and spending the afternoon with us.